we're continuing our exploration of open source business models today. And one of the more received wisdom in open source software, I guess, is that the success or relative success of open source has differed a lot by the place you are within the stack. So one way to look at it is, for example, that uh, databases used to be closed source and now they are predominantly open source databases at the top of the DB engines rankings like Postgres and MySQL uh, compared to their closed source alternatives. Um, uh, one of the my favorite quotes from Anders Helsberg, who is the creator of C Sharp and TypeScript and Turbo Pascal and two other languages that didn't matter as much, but he had this famous quote, which is essentially, I don't think any language going forward will be successful if it's not open source. Uh, obviously, remains to be seen what an open source programming language means. Uh, I think he means toolchain, but compiler or whatever, reference implementation. Um, so if you think about that up the stack, uh, there's a lot of debate over what parts of software, what parts of the infrastructure layer can be open source. Uh, but there's the most debate about whether or not it makes sense to have the application layer be open source as well. Like the, the thing that end users want to use, should that be open source? If, especially if it's not meant for developers and most of the people uh, who are using it will never actually contribute back to the code. Um, in fact, there was a tweet a few weeks ago, which I'm going to include in the show notes from Barry McCardle. I don't know who this Barry person is. Uh, he's co-founder of Hex.Tech, which is, uh, I guess, a well-known uh, an analytics company. Anyway, he says, are there good examples of successful open source products at the application layer? Uh, there's a lot of debate about this. Uh, people have suggested GitLab, Grafana, Bitwarden. Grafana doesn't really count. GitLab also kind of doesn't count. OBS, LibreOffice, Ghost.org, WordPress. Yeah, sure, but like none of those are like traditional businesses or consumer or like they say B2C or like, you know, uh, what you think of in, as apps, like let's say Slack or um, Trello or Jira. Yes, they're open source versions of them, but they're far less successful. Uh, Slack, maybe not with uh, Mattermost, I think. Anyway, um, so... One of the more interesting examples of this has been the rise of Joseph Jacks' uh, OS's Capital, which is essentially funding every single startup that has a pitch of we're X, but we're open source. Um, I know he's, if Joseph, if you're listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, we've talked about this, and I know you don't actually agree, uh, but that's that's the sort of reductionist view of OS's Capital. Um, so yeah, like it's fair to ask. Does that work? Like we're Stripe for we're Stripe, but we're open source. We are Slack, but we're open source. We're GitHub, but we're open source. Does that work? Um, and so, when you look at the application layer, probably one of the more interesting applications in the past times was Cal uh, Calendly, which is by Tope. Uh, it's it's a success story by by many numbers of uh, dimensions. Uh, it's a minority owned. A startup that was mostly bootstrapped out of Atlanta <laughs> um, that came out of nowhere and suddenly was worth $4 billion uh, that sort of created the category of uh, calendar invites or internet invites. And then um, cal.com comes along and starts just being open source Calendly. And so I really am interested in this idea of the open source application layer how and where and when that works. Uh, it's very much too early to say if cal.com is uh, successful, but I think they have as good a shot as any because of how well they've launched and how fast they've grown.
First of all, there's tons of Calendly copycats that are just SaaS businesses, different name, same features, and there's no differentiation. It's not even a different target market, like literally trying to do the same. So for us, being an open source alternative, I see alternatives as literally an alternative because pretty much all of our enterprise customers let us know, hey, whatever you're doing, we cannot do with Calendly. So we love you for doing this. This is amazing. Like highly regulated industries, um, medical companies, uh, we have government customers who luckily don't use Calendly. Like I wouldn't feel comfortable having government appointments go through a private company's uh, database, just mm-hmm. for the record, for any government, for any, like imagine like Angela Merkel booking Joe Biden over Calendly. That sounds uh, pretty scary. Why is that? Can you zoom into that? What's the fear there? Well, I mean, for data privacy reasons, and there's a ton of companies like AWS, for example, who have very strict policies around calendar sharing and calendar integrations. And they're pretty much only allowed to use self-hosted technology that they can look into, like mm-hmm. completely vet the technology and see if there's no outgoing API requests. So these are examples where they're using these self-hosted Cal. Exactly. Yeah, those are examples where even if Topi and I were at war, they would just be like, no, we can't serve this use case. And we do, same as GitLab versus GitHub, right? Like, right. So so at, once you have a big enough... There is a competition, but there may not be a war. Exactly. And, and I mean, at the end of the day, every company at some point competes, like we may, who knows, uh, 100%. build like a payment processing, like a native payment processing into our bookings. No, but I mean, I think it's less of a copycat, but more of like a like respect, like we're very respectful and very interested in each other's journeys because both of us have a long way to go. I mean, raising funding is the day zero, not the, that, not the goal. And Mm -hmm. for him and for the team, they've been going on for like 14 years or something or 10 years, more than 10 years. A lot of years. Yeah. A lot of years. And, uh, I'm, I'm grateful for their pioneer work of normalizing link sharing. I think that's the biggest thing that this pandemic has shown is that, the more and more people work online and remotely and in different time zones, you know, we've never had that decentralized organizations before ever. Like if you take a look at our team, we have 14 team members in 12 different time zones or something, anywhere from China to Vancouver, which is almost (laughs) around the entire globe. So that new world requires new solutions. And it's naive to think that Calendly for even for Topi to be like, we own this space now and there's no one else going into. So I don't think he he's very respectful with us and I'm respectful for, with them. And it's a very interesting um, relationship. But I think that's how most second-time founders or um, mature founders think of the space. Like you never compete on a, like you don't compete on war. You compete on the best product and let the consumers decide. And, yeah. and it's also a driving function for innovation because obviously you know, once you start having a competition and that's what we see with these mega corps, like Google having a monopoly on search and and YouTube and stuff that at some point innovation stops for lack of incentives. And I think at the end of the day, even if Cal may just turn out to be a small, like go back into a free open source software, just the raw pressure would have made both of our products much better. Let me understand then the footprint then. So what are the ways... I can be a consumer of Cal. Remind me again, Cal is the product and Cal.com is the the SaaS implementation, right? right. So that's how you differentiate. So yeah. if I want to use Cal, I have the option to use Cal.com. And since it's open source, I can spin up probably a Docker instance on some VPS or 
some cloud host somewhere or whatever, and I could administer my own. So if I'm an enterprise mm-hmm. and I have restrictions, whatever, whatever, then you've got the EE directory in your open source repo, which is under a different license that is not open source. It's proprietary code, still in the same vein, similar to GitLab. I mean, it's, it's these are all normal practices. Yeah. But I can adopt or pay you for, still while using maybe even your open source instance, some EE features and whatnot. Help me, give me, I described probably somewhat the version of that, but give me the real version of how people can use Cal. Yeah, it was very accurate. Very accurate. Good due diligence on our repo. Um, no, we talked to Sid as well. Um, and uh, as the biggest open source IPO recently, we mm-hmm. we think that's also the best practice to build commercial open source. Um, because it, it really, not only some open source companies have like a closed source enterprise edition, and then that defeats the whole point of, you know, doing your own due diligence on the security and everything. So yeah, we've had at least two security audits so far reporting all kinds of things, which would probably never been found if it was a, a closed source product. So that's that's really great to see both the free open core alongside the enterprise edition in our repository being checked by peer reviews. Now, the business model is, I'd say, we have two very different products. We have the SaaS option, same as GitLab has a SaaS option to you know do whatever you can do on GitHub. That's cal.com slash Adam. Reasons to use that over Calendly is just... <laughs> It's much shorter and obviously time matters. And I type my link. I don't know about you, but like I type my link in iMessage or in emails because it's just calicom slash peer. It takes me like four and a half seconds. Yeah. That's really cool. So mine is a lot harder. <laughs> I imagine. For Kelly, my I just it's my whole name. You know, you can probably find it if you now that I'm gonna get a bunch of op, you know, a bunch of spam and I can't opt out. But yeah, it's my full name. So it's painful to write Calendly. And my name. Yeah. And then the, whatever the actual calendar is for that special link. Like I have a unfurl for that. I don't <laughs> can't type it anymore. I used to. Yeah, I imagine. No, I mean, branding is a big thing. It's not the core. I mean, I wouldn't say it come to Cal because of the branding, but we have a ton of people who really appreciate these short domains. I'm a big fan of hey.com. I use hey.com for all my personal emails. And the domain, I love it. Every time I give it to someone, like a hotel receptionist or something, they're like, oh, this is cool. And we see the same behavior, branding, obviously. You can copy the recipe of Coca-Cola, but you won't be competing with them in terms of brand. Yeah. And for us, Cal.com is a real, real... I, I have a statistic on Cal.com slash open. Um, the day we rebranded, the, the signups went ballistic, literally like mm. vertical, like a rocket. So yeah, it's it's undeniable that the brand is, is important. But what's more important to me is first, consumers don't give a about open source. They barely even know the difference. Like if we really want to connect a billion people, I'd say 90% of them don't know what open source means <laughs> or they have never interacted with open source in a way like they've never opened a github repository but they care about the best product that's at the end of the day best brand best product and best price that's usually the the triangle mm. and what we've seen with open source i mean listen this company has been around for pretty much eight months now and we are not only on par with calendly but already built things that people asked that were non-existent in calendly so the rate of innovation, the rate of deployment, the, the security, you know, we have about 13 languages, 13 or 14 languages that are all made by the community and peer reviewed by the community is a major factor for us to be actually a better product. So it's not only about selling to enterprises and having these highly regulated industries, but also it helps us to really have a short feedback cycle, talk to customers and also 
you know, scheduling is a very integrations heavy market. So, you know, Zoom, Google Calendar, Apple Calendar, and mm-hmm. Google Meet, that's just a few to name. And then there's uh, other, like some analytics products. And for us being open, just as an example, we have a Web3 video integration, which is called huddle.io, no, huddle01.com, sorry, a bit of a mouthful, huddle01.com. And they provide like a peer-to-peer Zoom alternative with like NFT avatars and you can connect your MetaMask wallet and uh, pretty much same niche focus as our Web3 integration. And they told me they've been trying to chase down like a head of engineering or CTO or like VP of engineering at Calendly to build the integration. Like they literally said, just give us docs, we will build it for you and we would love to be part of this ecosystem. And it took them like months and they still haven't received a reply. And for us, they saw Cal.com, they saw the opportunity and they opened a pull request and three days after it was merged. Like that's just fantastic for any developer who wants to, you know, contribute to a project or any SaaS business, honestly. Like if you have the alternative between an open core where anyone can contribute to and, and for example, Tandem, which is another Andreessen Horowitz funded company, which is doing like Zoom, but more like for remote teams and like really like with takeover control of your computer and a, a ton of really cool things. For them, it was the same experience. They looked at Cal and they said, hey, this is quite interesting and quite easy to integrate. And without our permission, they made a pull request and we looked at it and it was safe to merge and now they're live. And that's something I imagine a lot of consumers will appreciate. They will never know what the process is behind the scenes, but one day they wake up and be like, why does Cal have 20 apps and Calendly only 10 or something or mm-hmm. 100 apps or why is this missing? What can I do to add it? So I think that's just something where uh, open source really shines by if you have the developer, you pretty much own the market for most industries. Like you could be the PayPal and, you know, have good GMV, but I would want to have my stock in Stripe <laughs> mm-hmm. because I think that's where the innovation is happening when you really foster the engineering communities. Yes but they're also not open source. That's true. But also I don't think an open source Stripe wouldn't be better than a, a, a closed source Stripe because I think the value proposition of Stripe is the valuable partnerships with the banks. So I think it's very easy to make the case for any integration heavy products like Pierre says in this clip that uh, it makes sense for the integrations to be open source. Um, I don't know if the core products benefit it much, but of course, if anyone wants to do some drive-by PRs, that's fine. Um, it's self-hostable, sure. Like you're not going to make money from much money from that anyway. But sure, like that helps you increase your adoption. Uh, it's just one example of like if you want to make an open source application layer company, I think Cal's probably done the best out of all of them. Uh, it's got a mix of branding and really solid execution and debatable open source community. But hey, they're at least giving it a shot.